Coming up on the Mark Divine Show. The average person has probably around 300 or so. When you get to our age, you probably got about 300 or so trapped emotions. Some people have more, some people have less. But uh, starting to find those and get rid of those is, uh, is such a critical step to really finding peace in your life and really being happy. Hi, I'm Mark Devine, and this is The Mark Devine Show. Super stoked to have you here today. I appreciate your time. I do not take it lightly. I know it's valuable. The fact that you're here listening, it means the world to me. I love talking to folks from all walks of life on this show, meditation experts, blockchain wizards, psychedelic researchers, and people on the cutting edge of holistic healing, like my guest today, who is Dr. Bradley Nielsen, who's one of the world's foremost experts on natural methods for achieving wellness. He's the creator of the Emotion Code and now the Body Code System and CEO of Discover Healing, which is a holistic education platform providing training and to certified practitioners worldwide. The Emotion Code is a step-by-step system which allows you to work with your body's energy and to heal yourself. So I'm super stoked to have Dr. Bradley Nielsen on the Mark Divine Show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Nielsen. Thanks so much for joining me on the Mark Demine Show. Super nice to meet you, sir. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's great to meet you too. Great to be here. Before I get into like content stuff, I like to really get deep into the, the what you know shaped you. What what's your origin story? You know, where did you grow up, and what were the challenges that you faced, and how did you get interested in becoming a doctor of chiropractic, and then you know really get into the emotional development yeah. side of things. My journey has been interesting. It started out at age seven, actually. I was really sick with the measles. I have folks had made a bed for me on a couch uh, in the living room so I could be near their bedroom. And this particular night, everybody else had gone to bed. And I had overheard my parents talking, and I knew the plan. I, the plan was uh, I was going into the hospital the next day, and I was going into something called an oxygen tent. It was the first time I'd heard that expression. I didn't know what an oxygen tent was. The tent part sounded kind of interesting, but, you know, because I was seven. But I was really sick, way too sick to think about camping. <laughs> After everybody had gone to bed, my folks came into the room. And I remember this like it happened yesterday, Mark. My mother said to my father, honey, will you kneel down with me and say a prayer for our boys who will be able to get well? So they did. Now, knowing my dad, he wasn't a preacher or anything like that. He was in real estate and construction. But I think they were really worried about me. I was really sick. And I'm lying there just feeling really nauseated and feverish and just really ill. So my dad starts offering this prayer. It's probably the first time in my life I'd heard my dad pray. And in the middle of this short prayer, something amazing happened. Something miraculous happened, really. This change began at the top of my head, and it went through my body to the soles of my feet, and I was made completely well. No kidding. Yeah, it's impossible to describe this, really, but I remember this like it happened yesterday, and it was you know quite a while ago now. But anyway, I, I held my tongue until my dad was done praying, which didn't take long. And when he was done, I said, I'm better. I'm better. And they said, yeah, that's fine. Go back to sleep. Tomorrow you're going in the hospital. <laughs> that's incredible. The next day proved it to everybody that I, I really was totally well. So that taught me two really important things that shaped my life. One of those things was that there is a, a higher power that we can draw upon for help, right? And the other thing was that healing doesn't necessarily have to take a long time because I've experienced it happening instantaneously, right? Right. So then what happened was, um, fast forward about another seven years, and I ended up with kidney disease. And I had these terrific pains in the back that would just knock me to the ground or take my breath away. And it was very scary. My folks took me to the uh, hospital, and they ran all these tests. 
And my parents were told, your son has kidney disease, and it's about a 50-50 chance whether he'll pull through this or not. There's nothing we can do. At the time, they didn't, they didn't do heart transplants or kidney transplants or anything else. So my kidneys were fighting for their life, and if they died, that was it for me. But they didn't have anything to offer, really. And so uh, my parents were open to alternatives, and they took me to see some old-time osteopathic doctors that operated out on the edge of town in a trailer house in the middle of a wheat field. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's real French. (laughs) They were very French. But I can remember sometimes we'd pull up and a busload of people would pull away. Sometimes people would in other states would charter buses to come and visit these too because they were really healers. So they started working on me and right away my body started responding. And within about three weeks, I didn't have any more pain or anything at all. And right away they had started to become less... uh, less severe and less frequent. And my folks took me back to the hospital after I couldn't have, I didn't have any pain anymore. And they, they were told, well, you know, it's a spontaneous remission. Whatever we did must have worked, I guess. But I knew that these people had helped me. So I knew that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I wanted to be a healer. And so I would talk to them. I can't remember lying on my back on their table, looking up at them and saying, when I grow up, I want to do what you guys are doing. And they were very discouraging. They'd say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because they said, <laughs> if you go to chiropractic school or some school of natural healing, you'll come out of there like a zombie. You won't even be able to think for yourself. Your head will be so full of fixed ideas, it'll be pointless. You know, that really uh, sunk in. Do you remember what they did? They were mainly just realigning my spine. Really? Yeah. Just manipulating my vertebrae and realigning things. They said that uh, I had a bone down in my lower thoracics that had gotten out of alignment. and. Uh, that bone being out of alignment was irritating the nerves traveling to the kidneys. And uh, they did some other things too. But that was the main thing. So I thought they were chiropractors for years. When the osteopathic profession was made an offer, they kind of couldn't refuse, you know, back I think in the early 60s by the, uh, the medical profession, essentially, we'll make you medical doctors too, because it was kind of a competition thing. And they were, you know, presenting competition. So now, pretty much, if you go to a DO, you, it's pretty much like seeing a, an MDE, right? Yeah. But yeah, they decided they didn't want to have anything to do with that. So they just moved into a trailer house in the middle of a wheat field. <laughs> <laughs> so you mean they didn't, they didn't go back to get formally no. certified or, or licensed as a DO? They just said, screw it, we're going to do our own thing. They just stayed out of it. So then what happened was um, I got involved in computers. I took a, a computer class in 1980 in Hawaii, actually. I was going to school there. And man, I was hook, line, and sinker. I was a goner for computers. And I became a uh, computer programmer. I had a business back in the early 80s, right, when people would buy an IBM PC and there'd be no software for it. I'd go into the, their business. I had a business called the Computer Tutor, which I thought was really clever. Mm. I'd go in and I'd look at all their flows and then I'd write some really simple software so they could use this thing. And that's what I did. And I thought I'd do that or something like that for the rest of my life. And then one day, uh, my wife and I, went home uh, to Montana as we were going to college. And my dad, totally out of the blue, asks me this question. In fact, I was about six months away from going into the MBA program at BYU. And my dad, totally out of the blue, says, uh, hey, you know, you've always wanted to go into chiropractic and it seems like a great career. And I said, well, now I'm going this other direction. I'm going to get my MBA and be in computers and things. And he said, well, why don't you think about it one more time? So I did. And having learned at that early age that you could get help, All of a sudden, when he had asked me that question, suddenly I felt like I was back right in the middle of the fence and I could go into chiropractic or get my MBA and 
I didn't know what to do now. So that night I prayed about this. And uh, that night I had this experience. I was awakened three different times. And each time that I was awakened, I would find my mind full of all these warm, fuzzy, happy thoughts about healing and helping people, thoughts of service, you know. And I thought, oh, that's great. Yeah. But, you know, the new IBM PC, it's got a four megahertz processor. And I fall back <laughs> asleep, right? So that's how that went. <laughs> that's so classic. <laughs> right. Such a yin yang juxtaposition there. It's such a nerd. Too. <laughs> the right path or the left path. Anyway, so the next day, I, don't, I still don't know what to do. So that night I prayed again. And the second night, I had this really amazing experience where I was awakened three times again. But each time that I was awakened, it was the same thoughts of service and healing and helping people naturally. But each time that on the second night, it happened three times, but each time was exponentially more powerful than the time before. So that on the third time that I was awakened on the second night, the thoughts of service to mankind and humanity and the whole world, I mean, it was absolutely overwhelming. And right then, as I'm feeling that overwhelming feeling, I have this voice speaks to me and it says, this is a sacred calling. And I thought, okay, I get it. And so, uh, so I went to chiropractic school and uh, because I was a computer programmer before, I was, I was always trying to use a computer in the work that I was doing. So I always had a computer there. So as I would find things that worked for people, I would record them in this database that I was building, this uh, knowledge base, really. I figured, you know, God's gotten me into this. Maybe he'll help me. And so I had this habit, just this silent habit, just a momentary pause, really. I never told anybody that I was actually pausing and asking for help for them. But I think that when you ask for help, two things happen. You're humbling yourself and admitting that you need, maybe need help, mm -hmm. but also you're opening that conduit because when you ask, you receive, right? right? And so there were times, Mark, during those years when uh, somebody would come in to see me, I didn't know how to help them or didn't know how to approach their problem. And I would have that momentary pause and ask for help. There were times when in response to that asking, that information would just flood in like an avalanche of data. Really amazing. That didn't happen very often. But once in a while, so gradually I was able to put together this database. And uh, one of the fascinating things that I learned really was that, um, and in fact, the whole basis for the emotion code and the body code is this understanding that we have a conscious mind, which is where we spend all of our waking hours when we go to sleep the conscious mind shuts down and we have a subconscious mind, right? And it's the subconscious mind that's creating millions of new cells every minute and keeping everything going. But that subconscious mind is essentially a binary computer. Now, what that means is, I mean, if you think about your phone, what's the interface? Well, it's the screen in your finger, you know, and the laptop I'm sitting at, it's got a screen, it's got a keyboard, that's the interface. But the subconscious mind has a different interface. It's a binary interface, which means... The subconscious mind will give you answers if you ask questions that can be answered with a yes or a no. Right. And it can manifest those answers in different ways. We use muscle testing. And so I was able to start asking questions of my patients. And it, I found that it worked incredibly well. And during the last 10 years of my practice, most of the people that I saw had been told there was really no hope for them at all. They were never going to get well. And yet the vast majority of them got well because I was able to ask the true source, their subconscious, what they really needed. You're familiar with Dr. David Hawkins' work, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, power versus force. I reference him in, uh, in The Emotion Code. So I, I left practice in 2004 and wrote this book, The Emotion Code. The reason for that was because uh, what I found in practice 
was that all of my patients, no matter how young or old they were, no matter what they were suffering from, if they, you know, if they were dealing with uh, depression or anxiety or phobias or panic attacks or PTSD or eating disorders or some kind of self-sabotage, or if they were dealing with some physical thing like infertility or asthma or digestive disorders, or if they were, if they'd been diagnosed with some kind of a disease process, or if they were dealing with physical pain, which was a, a lot of people, they all had something in common and that was their emotional baggage. And I, I came to understand, it took me a while to figure this out because what happens to us, if you think about the body itself, our bodies ultimately, I mean, if you zoom in with a big microscope on some part of your body, like your hand, and you zoom in past the cells and past the organelles and past the molecules and down to the level of the atom, well, you'd notice there's another atom and it's a long distance away. And if you look inside the atom, you see, hey, there's nothing in here. It's just empty space, right? And energy. So that's really what we are. Well, when you're feeling a certain emotion, like anger or resentment or fear or whatever, on a quantum level, what's going on is that you're experiencing the vibration that's unique to that emotion. All emotions have their own frequency. If an emotion is coming up for you and you stuff that emotion, you don't want to feel it. Or if an emotion comes up for you and you become, you enhance it and you become really upset and uh, you volumize that feeling, those two circumstances can result in what I like to call an emotional loop that's kind of stuck open. Normally, when we feel an emotion, we allow it to be felt and then we allow that loop to close and that experience is over. But sometimes that loop gets stuck open. And so the energy that was being felt in the body, that energy can become trapped in the body. So we call these trapped emotions. And it's amazing the effect that they have on us and how, uh, how they affect us, not only physically, but they're there in every disease process that I have seen in 35 years, there's always an emotional component, trapped emotions. And in all those other situations I talked about, all those other problems, PTSD, depression, so on, physical pain, 90% of all the physical pain we have is from trapped emotions. How much do you think those trapped emotions are from childhood trauma versus maybe some adult experience? It depends on how traumatic your childhood was. So yes, I mean, some people have really, really difficult experiences as a kid, you know, being bullied or being abused in all kinds of ways. And when you go through that, you definitely develop emotional baggage that then distorts the rest of your life. And that's really what trapped emotions do. They affect us in a couple of ways. In fact, let me tell you a story. There was a, uh, many years ago, there was a guy that came in to see me. He had really severe low back pain. I mean, it's like a nine close to a 10 on a zero to 10 scale. So first thing, I started asking questions of his subconscious mind, muscle testing him for the responses, right? And what I find is that he has a, uh, a trapped emotion. And we use a chart that looks like this. It's got 60 emotions on it in the emotion code. It's divided up into two columns and six rows. And uh, right away, I find the emotion is anger. And uh, testing a little further, I find that this occurred 20 years before. And he says, oh, yeah, I know what happened. I know what that's all about. And I said, what happened? He said he was, uh, it was a work situation where he was wrongfully accused, basically, of like embezzling or cooking the books. And he was furious about it because he was totally clean, but um, he was you know, wrongfully accused. So I don't blame him for being upset. But uh, what happened was that emotional feeling of anger was so powerful, that emotional experience did not get processed. And so that energy was still there. So if you can imagine, this guy's got a ball of energy and a trapped emotions, a ball of energy. You can't see him, 
but they're about the size of a baseball, about the size of a softball. So this is in his low back, lodges in his low back. These can lodge anywhere in the body. It just happened to lodge there. So 20 years later, he's in my office and he's talking to me about how he probably is going to need to have surgery. That's his next step. I'm his last resort. But I find this trapped emotion. And to release these trapped emotions, we just swipe a few times down the governing meridian, which runs right you know, up the middle of the back. Swipe down that meridian a few times to release that energy. And the pain goes from uh, about a nine, nine and a half to a zero instantly. And hmm. can't believe it. And he's bending over and twisting and turning and exclaiming. And I was grateful that it worked so well. See, what was happening in this guy's case was that he had this ball of anger in his low back. And you have to understand, I mean, we've, we have to get out of the Newtonian world and move into the quantum world to understand how this stuff's possible. But he's got this ball of anger in his low back from 20 years before. Why did it settle in his lower back? Yeah, I don't know. These can settle anywhere. He might have had a little bit of a pre-existing injury there maybe, uh-huh. or maybe it was about money. And oftentimes low back mm-hmm. money issues will tend to manifest there. So you never know where they're going to lodge. But anyway, this energy was distorting the normal energy field of his body for 20 years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, when you distort the energy field of the body, you know, you're interfering with the chemical reactions to a degree with the blood flow, the lymph flow, the flow of meridian energy, all those things. And so it's not unusual for people to have pain. So he's got this severe pain, but the moment we release that energy, it's gone. But that's not the end of the story. It was two or three days later. I think three days later, he came back in to see me for a follow-up. And I'll never forget this. He said, Dr. Nelson, you know, he said, my back still doesn't hurt at all. He said, I can't believe it. It's just like kind of miraculous. But he said, I have to talk to you. He said, when I came in here, I had another problem that I didn't tell you about. He said, for as long as I can remember, I've basically been what you'd call a rageaholic. He said, I'm always yelling at my wife and my kids, and I got to watch the road rage. And I've been to anger management a couple of times. Hasn't really helped me. But he said, since you released that trapped emotion of anger for me, I feel like a different person. He said, things that used to set me off don't set me off anymore. He said, I just feel kind of relaxed and kind of peaceful. And he said, how did you do that? How does that work? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's my scientific answer. I didn't know. Okay, we're going to take a short break here from the Mark Devine Show to hear a short message from one of our partners. Stoked to have Z-Biotics as a sponsor of the Mark Devine Show. You know, I'm a pretty healthy guy. Probably doesn't surprise you. I train pretty hard. I meditate every day. I get great sleep. I eat really well. But you know what? I also like to have a glass of wine now and again, or two. Let's face it, though. After a night with a glass of wine or two, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to when I was 20. So I've got to make a choice. I can either have the great night or a great next day. That is until I found Zbiotics. This is cool. Zbiotics is a pre-alcohol probiotic. It's the world's first genetically engineered probiotic invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in your gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's really to blame for the rough day. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic produces an enzyme that breaks down that byproduct. Just got to remember to make Zbiotics pre-alcohol your first drink of the night. Drink responsibly and you'll feel your best the next day. I've been using Zbiotics now for a couple months and I can tell you it really does work. So if you like to have a glass of wine or beer or scotch or something like that, you don't want to feel bad the next day, then check out Zbiotics. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. 
So make sure you stock up on Z-Biotics, the pre-alcohol biotic, before that feast. You'll be thankful you did the next day. Go to zbiotics.com slash divine to get 15% off your first order using the code divine at checkout. Z-Biotics is back with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, go to zbiotics.com, Z-B-I-O-T-I-C-S.com slash divine. Use the code divine at checkout for 15% off. And thank you, Z-Biotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Excited to have Electric Bikes as a sponsor for the Mark Divine Show. You know, I saw the rise of e-bikes in my neighborhood in Lucadia, California. And so I got myself an electric e-bike a few months ago. And I tell you what, I love this thing. It's incredible. It's super simple. The thing folds up, goes in the back of my car. I can pedal it like I like to, or I can just use the assisted battery. And it's great, man. I can go places I never would have gone before. I loved it so much that I bought my wife one, and now we're cruising Lucadia with our electric e-bike. Got to check it out. Super simple to set up. It's cheap, believe it or not, with financing low as low as $73 a month. You can get started today. The bike ships free, comes pretty much fully assembled. can go with you anywhere you want to go. They do have some safety regulations, so you want to make sure you wear a helmet and check the laws in your area. But this is a great way to cruise around and get some exercise and to get yourself outdoors this fall. So check them out. Check out their XB Lite series, which starts at just 800 bucks. You can't beat that. Visit electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-E-S B-I-K-E-S.com. Again, you're going to love these things. Don't wait. Go check out electricebikes.com. And now back to the show. Hey, I'm curious, like, if he had gone to surgery, would they have found anything down there? Would, would surgery have done anything for him? Well, you know, you think about it in a case like that, and you see, when you have a trapped emotion, remember, it's, if you can imagine, he had this ball of anger in his low back, distorting the energy field and interfering with the normal tissues. Surgery wouldn't have gotten rid of that. So now he would have a more compromised back, but he would still have the energy there from whatever he'd been through 20 years before from being falsely accused, et cetera. The anger was still there. And so now he'd have a back that had been operated on, that had been sliced and diced, and that was trying to heal. And now he's still got that energy there, see. Was there a physical manifestation that they saw like on an X-ray or an MRI that caused them to say you need surgery? Or were they just recommending that based on pain? His next step was actually to go and be evaluated for surgery because he was in so much pain. Oh, I see. The thing about it, though, is that um, what these trapped emotions do is they interfere with the normal balance of the muscles. They interfere with misalignment. Okay, They can create misalignment in bones and other tissues of the body. So what I found was that um, it was the number one most common thing that I needed to work on for all of my patients, no matter what it was that they were dealing with. And I had lots and lots of patients with back pain. I mean, in about 18 years, I only had to send two patients out for surgery uh, for low back because they're, you know, it had gone too far and they had herniated discs in their low back. But otherwise, people uh, were able to get well. So this really should be the first thing people do is see if there's some emotional baggage causing the pain or contributing. And then last resort surgery. I mean, 
you know, even the, even the medical profession, uh, the AMA came out with a study back in, I think, 1978, where they found that uh, it was like between 70 and 80% of all the back surgeries that were done then could have been prevented and weren't necessary. Wow. So I'm curious, um, use kinesiology, this muscle testing. Is that something that individuals or can you teach individuals to test themselves? Yes, absolutely. That's what we do. I've always been curious about that. I mean, uh, Hawkins makes that claim that, you know, you can teach you to test yourself. I think, you know, they use like the finger test. Yeah. The ring and ring method is a great method. You can also, there's a lot of other methods. There's the flick method. You know, you make a ring and then on a yes, the ring will stay together and on a no, it'll break open. And what's the secret to asking the right questions? First of all, with self-testing, there are a couple of mistakes that people make. One of the most common mistakes is that people think it's kind of a strength contest, but it's not. Right. In fact, um, the main method that I used for testing years ago when I was in practice was this one where one finger, you put one finger on top of another one, mm-hmm. the bottom finger will stay strong for yes and weaken for no. And uh, man, that one was hard on me. My fingers hurt for seven years. And I finally realized, gee, maybe I should back off on the... <laughs> the amount of resistance I'm using. So now, like for example, when I do this test, we teach people that um, the amount of force that you use. That's the, the two fingers. For those who don't have the video, yeah, ring finger and thumb touching, but interlock with the other finger and you pull them. And uh, most people use way too much strength, see? Right. And so they're fighting against themselves. What you're trying to do is you're trying to, uh, you're trying to sense this subtle change that's taking place in the body. So you'd, you'd want to only use, I mean, probably less than 1% of your total available strength, see? That what I tell people is, um, if you found a ladybug in your house and you picked it up and you're going to carry it out to your garden and let it go, how much force would you use? <laughs> Not much, right? Mm-hmm. So that's about how much you can use for these. Another thing uh, is that it's really important to realize that your subconscious mind knows how to do this kind of testing. And so if you think about someone who can type, you know, uh, can you type, Mark? You type very fast? Faster than most of my peers because I actually took typing way back yeah. in high school. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back when they offered it, uh, they right. offered yeah. it anymore. It's a lost art. But um, if you talk to somebody that's typing along, maybe they're typing 80 or 90 or 100 words a minute, they'll tell you that if they start thinking about what their fingers are doing, they immediately crash and burn. They start making all kinds of mistakes and so on. As long as they aren't focused on what their fingers are doing, they're able to keep typing and maintain a high rate of speed. It's the same thing with self-muscle testing. If you're focusing on your fingers, it doesn't work very well. But if you allow the test to take place slightly out of your focus, then it works better. Can you walk me through like a, a little case study? So I just walk into your office and I say, Dr. Nielsen, you know, I've, I've got this pain in my upper back near my kind of right shoulder blade. Yeah. And so how would you walk me through that? Well, basically the way this would work, first of all, I I haven't been in practice for a long time. I just travel around the world and teach and do podcasts and things. But basically how the emotion code works is um, if I were there with you, and let's say you do have pain in your shoulder blade or maybe a migraine or whatever. My son has migraines, by the way. So that is something that that he suffers. So that's probably a good one to start with. Sure. So basically what I would do, first of all, if, if I were there with you or with him, I'd have him hold out his arm parallel to the floor and uh, I would have him make a statement. What's your son's name? Devin. Okay. I would have him say, my name is Devin. And then if I were to press down on his outstretched arm, he should be strong and able to resist that. And then I'd have him say something that's incongruent. Like I'd have him say, my name is Bob. 
And then if I press down on his arm, he would weaken. Mm-hmm. Your viewers, your listeners can try this. It's really, uh, it's interesting. And it's, you know, it goes along with everything that Hawkins learned about the subconscious mind, uh, you know, can't really lie very well. It wants to tell the truth. And so then what I would do with your son is I would simply ask, using the emotion code, I would ask, is there a trapped emotion that we can release that's contributing to your migraine headache? We would probably get a yes answer. In other words, the muscle test would be strong. So then what we would do is we'd look at the list and then we would ask, okay, is the emotion in column A or column B? And the way that that works is you see his subconscious mind would know exactly what emotion that is at that moment. When we ask that question, do you have a trapped emotion we can release is contributing to your headache? If he's got one, the subconscious mind will instantly identify it. And then all we have to do is play charades with his subconscious to figure out what it is. So we would ask, is this emotion in column A on our chart here? Maybe that would be weak. I know. So that means it's in column B. So then we would ask, well, all right, is it in an odd row or an even row? So is it an odd row in column B? And maybe the answer is no. So that way we know, okay, well, we've narrowed it down. It's got to be in two or four or six in column B. So then we ask, is it in row two in column B? Is it in row four? Maybe it's in row four column B. So we get a yes answer. So then what we do is we've got four emotions, five emotions in that uh, cell, depression, frustration, indecisiveness, panic, or taken for granted. So then what we do is we test those. Well, is it depression? Is it frustration? Is it indecisiveness? And one of those might go weak or sorry, one of those might be strong and test strong for that. And then that way we've identified the emotion. And then what we can do is we can ask, okay, um, once we've identified the emotion, the next question is, do we need to know more about this? Because you see, in order for the subconscious mind to be willing to close the loop on an emotional experience so that it's actually completely finished, sometimes it needs you to dig a little deeper. So you might need to know, like, let's say maybe we find the emotion of panic on your son. And we ask, do we need to know more about this? And the answer comes back strong. Then we might ask, well, okay, how old is your son right now? 24. 24. So we might ask, okay, did this happen earlier than age 20? Yeah, maybe it did. Earlier than 10? Maybe that's a no. Okay, did it happen around 11 or 12, 13? Okay, 13 years old. Maybe it's panic at age 13. And he might all of a sudden say, oh yeah, I know what happened. Or he might say, well, it doesn't really ring a bell. Either way, but... um, we would then ask that same question again, do we need to know any more? And once we get a no answer to that question, do we need to know more? At that point, we can go ahead and release the, the emotional energy. And we do that by just taking a hand or a magnet and just swiping down the middle of the back a few times. Sometimes we uh, inherit emotion. So we might find, let's say we're taking to column B row four, and we ask about all five of those emotions and they're all weak. We get a a weak muscle response in every one of those. That would mean that we're dealing with an emotion that is inherited, that uh, he would have received at the moment of conception from you or from your wife or his mom. That's an interesting one because then we we have to ask, is this an inherited emotion? Then we can find out because the subconscious mind remembers, we could find out who it came from. And let's say he got it from you and you got it from your dad and it goes back 10 generations or something. We can find all that out because the subconscious mind somehow knows all of that. And then uh, you can release emotions like that as well that, uh, that are inherited. It's a fascinating thing because, you know, we're all not only the product of our own lives and our own experiences and our own traumas and difficulties, but also um, in many cases, also the, uh, the traumatic experiences and the, 
the difficult emotional things that our ancestors went through. Mm-hmm. So there's a way to find those and get rid of those too. What's the role of belief of the patient in this? And let's say my son, let's say I had to drag him in by his ear and he's like, whatever, dad, you know, <laughs> take him into this crazy <laughs> thing. I don't believe in that stuff. I just, just trust, just trust me. Does he have to believe? Does your patient have to believe? It works better if there is some level of belief. It can still work regardless. I mean, I've worked with a lot of people who were really skeptical, but then all of a sudden they see that it works. What we recommend for our practitioners, we've we've certified about 12,000 people now in about 80 countries or so around the world as emotion code practitioners. And we have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other people that are using it on friends and family members, and, and that's fine. But we have a lot of people who have decided they want to really master it, and, and then a lot of them do it for a living. But what we tell them is, uh, if you're trying to work with somebody that's really negative about it, it's going to be more difficult. A lot of people aren't open. People will come to me and they'll say things like, you know, my husband, I really want to work on him, but he's just so not into this, and he just really thinks it's completely idiotic and so on, and it's just bogus. And my advice to them is, is usually, well, you know, he's where he's at right now, and uh, it may take some time for him to come around. One of the things that, uh, that you can do to help someone to understand, because we're so stuck in Newtonian physics, really, and in, uh, in chemical medicine and so on, and surgical medicine, we have to step into this new, this new world. I mean, Einstein said you know, the future of medicine is going to be based on frequencies, mm-hmm. and that's really what this is. It's really energy medicine. What you can do for somebody is uh, I tell people, hey, you know, get your husband a copy of the Emotion Code book, let him read it, or get him a copy, uh, get, get it for him on audio so he can listen to it as he's driving around. And true things usually make sense, right? And this all makes sense, but um, it's definitely different from uh, Don's pills and things like that. It's pretty <laughs> far away from that. Okay, we're going to take a short break here from the Mark Divine Show to hear a short message from one of our partners. You know how important sleep is for your performance. And when you don't sleep well, man, everything suffers. Gotta get that sleep on track, but are you doing anything about it? Yeah, there's the hygiene things you can do. Black out your room, get rid of the electronic stimulants, don't touch your phone or TV two hours before bed. Same thing with drinking alcohol or eating food. All that kind of stuff is important. But sometimes even that isn't enough. That's why it's great to have a natural supplement that can really stimulate awesome sleep. Enter Momentus. Momentus sleep pack is incredible. Each pack is a 30-day supply. They're super simple. Little package, you tear it apart, and you have three natural ingredients that prime you for a good night's rest. Magnesium, L-threonate, apigenin, and L-theanine. Well, I don't know what those are, but... They provide unique effects that help you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer and wake up feeling great. So you got to check it out if you struggle with sleep or even if you're worried about sleep because you got something important coming up, Momentus is there for you. And I use this stuff and it works really, really well. The science behind the products is second to none. And when I take the sleep pack, I wake up feeling like I had that good night's sleep that used to be only rare. Momentous Sleep Pack, designed by the world's best experts, used by the world's top athletes and sports teams, but made for everyone. Check them out at www.livemomentous.com, L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com, livemomentous.com. Use the code DIVINE, D-I-V-I-N-E, that's me, 
for 20% off your first order. You're going to love this product. Go check them out at livemomentous.com. Use the code divine. Sleep well. I've got something exciting to share with you today from my company, Unbeatable Mind. It's the 30-day Unbeatable Mind Challenge. In just 30 days, you can become practically unstoppable. We've condensed the proven habits, mental exercises, and rituals that we teach to the Navy SEALs into simple, practical daily exercises. Imagine starting your day with a calm and focused mind, sharpened intuition, rock-solid discipline, and clear sense of purpose. You'll experience undeniable shifts in all areas of your life, financial growth, improved fitness, and find that true passion for life. All of this can be done with just 15 minutes a day, and you'll have the support of the vibrant Unbeatable Mind community behind you. Just head over to unbeatablechallenge.com to unlock your full potential with the 30-day Unbeatable Mind Challenge. And now back to the show. What used to be kind of sloughed off as new agey thinking is finally gaining some mainstream acceptance, which is good. I'm curious, you know, we've spoken mostly about the physical manifestation of a trapped emotion, but what if it's nothing physical shows up? For instance, like I've talk freely about this on this podcast, but you know, I grew up in a fairly traumatic environment myself. Yeah, I was an extraordinarily physical person and very healthy. Been meditating since I was 21 and yeah, tons of great practices. So, you know, I haven't had any physical manifestation of that, but there have been other issues, right? <laughs> Patterns, you know, what the psychology profession would call shadows. You know, is, is this effective, especially if, you know, shadow is largely hidden. That's why they call it shadow. It's largely hidden from view of the individual, but it might be completely overt, let's say, to a partner. So how would you address that if, if like, let's say a spouse came to you and said, Brad, you know, my, my husband is a rage hog, but he doesn't even, he's not completely unaware of it. What can you do to help? Trapped emotions are huge drivers of our behaviors. Absolutely. So- by finding and removing um, the emotional energy in the body that's trapped, gradually what starts to happen is people start to feel a, a, like a different kind of a person. They start to feel different. They start to, at a certain point, it's almost like stepping out of this old suit you've been walking around in right. into this different person who is really who you were originally intended to be. You can think of everybody that you know as dragging these suitcases behind them through life. Mm -hmm. And the suitcases uh, contain all their emotional baggage and it's rocks from being bullied and it's rocks from being abused and divorces and things like that. And people that they've lost and combat and I mean, you know, all kinds of things. And so with the emotion code, uh, what we do is we basically just start to pull the rocks out of those suitcases. And then pretty soon the suitcases aren't even needed anymore. And so it's like cutting yourself loose from all of that. And you start to feel lighter and you start to ascend. But because the subconscious mind knows all of it and remembers all of it, it remembers every split second of your life, it knows exactly what emotional baggage you have. And it knows exactly um, what needs to be done next. You don't have to have physical symptoms. I mean, if you do, it's nice to find the emotions behind that and get rid of those. And that's a nice way to demonstrate it. Yeah, it's almost easier because you can target it a little bit more quickly probably. Yeah, but with the emotion code, basically what, uh, it's actually really simple. I mean, let, let's say there's a couple different ways you can do it. One way is that, um, let's say that there was a certain event that happened in your life that you remember and it was traumatic for you. Well, what you can do is you can ask questions about that. Do you have any trapped emotions? Uh, do you have a trapped emotion we can release that resulted from that event? 
maybe you do. And if you do, then we use the same process, column A, column B, we figure it out and release it. You know, another way uh, that you can find these is you can ask about a certain person. Like, for example, do you have any trapped emotions about your, your dad or, or your mom or your uncle or, you know, whatever? And the subconscious mind knows all of those. The average person has probably around 300 or so. When you get to our age, you probably got about 300 or so trapped emotions. Some people have more, some people have less. But uh, starting to find those and get rid of those is, uh, is such a critical step to really finding peace in your life and really being happy. Have you discovered any kind of like meta question that can release all 300 at once? I wish we could, uh, we could do that. Um, <laughs> I've tried. Someday. Yeah, I'm sure we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the role of therapy? How many therapists have you know, found the emotion of code to be a useful tool? Because you're not really talking about context so much. You're just releasing the energy. But changing the context of understanding around the event I mean, that's traditional therapeutic process. That's helpful as well. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, cognitive therapy is something that uh, helps a lot of people. We have a lot of therapists out of the 12,000 people that have become certified in the emotion code. There's a percentage of those that have been traditional therapists, uh, psychologists, psychotherapists that have found that, um, you know, hypnotherapists and so on, that have found that um, this is really incredibly powerful. Some of them have told me that this is all they do now. I'm also curious just about how or whether there's a relationship between this and EMDR, the eye motion disassociation processing or whatever it is, eye motion yeah. desensitization processing, right? I think they're, they're definitely related. I think that there's some connections there. The nice thing about the emotion code is that um, you can learn the whole entire process right from the book and do it yourself mm -hmm. effectively right from the book. That's extraordinary. Yeah. And you have people express success from that? Oh, all the time. Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, we have over, I mean, well over 10,000 really unsolicited testimonials from people all over the world. Uh, let me tell you one of my favorite stories, just to give you an idea. We were at an event and this woman told us that um, she, she had started reading the emotion code and listening to it. And her son started reading it and listening to it. He started practicing with his friends and she thought it was kind of cute. A couple of weeks go by and then she gets a phone call. The woman that's calling her tells her that she's the mother of one of her son's friends. And uh, she said, I have to talk to you. She said, my son has had a phobia of water all of his life. You know, he can have a phobia to anything. He had a phobia to water. She said, it's been very disruptive to his life and to our life as a family. We've tried everything to fix him. We've taken him to all kinds of people. Nothing has ever worked. She said, right now I'm at the community pool. She said, my son is out splashing around, playing in the water with the other boys for the first time in his life. She said, your son did this to him. Hmm. She said, how is this even possible? What in the world is he doing? And those two boys are only 11 years old, see? No kidding. So he learned it from the book and then fixed his friend. <laughs> That's <laughs> so a great story. Hope. I love that. There's hope for humanity, Mark. There is hope for humanity. I'm with you on that. We're going to wrap up soon, but you came out with a body code uh, in February. What's different? Well, The Body Code uh, is it's another book. What happened was really the beginning of this was in, uh, in 2008. The Emotion Code book came out in 2007. And then about a year later, one morning, I woke up and my mind was full of instruction. And the instruction was, you need to take everything that you've learned about natural healing and put it into a self-study course that anyone can learn and make it available to everyone everywhere. And I remember thinking, 
are you sure about this? <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. So, and it did, it took a whole year to put the first version of it together. But now it's an app that you can download online. And the idea there, it's also a book. Uh, the book is really the manual for the, uh, the body code system that you can get online. But basically, here's the idea. When I was in practice, I learned that there are really six different kinds of imbalances that cause all of our problems. Oh, let's see, like energetic imbalances, like, uh, like trapped emotions. There are imbalances in the circuitry and systems of the body, disconnections between the spirit and the physical and so on. Toxins, nutrition and lifestyle imbalances, like not getting enough certain vitamins and minerals. There are misalignments. And then there are pathogens. And so during all those years when I was in practice, having a computer right there, I was able to build this really massive knowledge base. And what I found was the subconscious minds of my patients knew what was in that knowledge base. So I could ask questions and they would take me right to wherever I needed to go. And so it worked so well that um, during the last 10 years of my practice, most of the people that I worked with have been told there was really no hope for them at all. And yet, you know, the vast majority of them were able to get well. And so basically what we can do is we can ask, all right, You've got some kind of a problem, for example, is there an underlying reason for it? And if the subconscious mind says yes, we just ask, okay, where's the reason? And the subconscious will give us one reason at a time. And so uh, is the reason on the left side or the right side? And so maybe you're taken to section one, energies. And you can actually use the book this way and you can find imbalances and fix those. So let's say that... uh, on the next page, you're taken here, and there are page numbers for these, okay? Mm-hmm. And so let's say maybe you're taken to uh, physical trauma right here. Well, a physical trauma, that's one of the things, just to give you an idea, there's a lot of stuff in here that you're not going to find anywhere else, but just to give you an idea how that particular one came about, there was a guy that came in to see me many years ago, 42 years old, been in a car accident four years before. His neck still hurt like the day after the accident. He'd seen multiple doctors. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of odd. So before I worked on him, my habit was to ask for help from up above, right? And so I said, uh, Father, if there's more I need to know about this, help me to understand this, because this, this seems a little bit unusual. And this answer flooded in. And check this out, Mark. Here's what the answer was. This guy was in an auto accident. He was rear-ended, right? And even at a slow collision, you know, you can have hundreds of tons of kinetic energy released. Well, that energy, that kinetic energy went into the vehicle crumpled the fenders, bent the frame. Some of that energy went through his body. He ended up with whiplash. But the answer that I got was that some of that energy that was created in that accident had become lodged in his neck. And that was the answer. And I thought, whoa, that's weird. So energy from the accident four years ago, still in his neck. So I swiped a few times down his back to release that physical trauma energy. And then I said, okay, move your neck around. So he looked like this and he says, wow, how'd you do that? And I said, well, how's it feel? He said, well, it's like a two. And I said, well, when's the last time it was a two? And he said, well, before the accident, it was a nine. And it started. So that's just one thing. But there's all kinds of things in here that you can actually find. So it's time for us, you see, to start taking back um, our own ability to work on our own bodies and work on our own kids. I mean, there's so much that we can do. There will always be a need for Western medicine, but you know, most of the time we don't need drugs and most of the time we don't need surgery. It should be last resort. I agree. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you get the gist of it through the audiobooks, or would you need the, uh, the physical book to kind of like for self-care? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, a lot of people love the audiobooks. We have handouts that go along with the audiobooks. 
So yeah, either way, it depends on what you like. I think ideally, what I like to do usually is I'll uh, I'll often get the book on audio so I can listen to it and then get the book physically so I can take notes and things. Yeah. And the book is beautiful. I mean, it's got uh, lots and lots of color. So it's good. Dr. Brad, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I appreciate your time and the work you're doing. So to wrap up, like where, where can people learn more about your work? And I know the books and stuff, you'll find them on Amazon probably, yeah. but where, where would they go to like really connect with you? Yeah, our website is discoverhealing.com. We have a map of practitioners all over the world. If you're looking for somebody to do this for you, we've got information about certification there. We've got, uh, we have all kinds of info there, lots of testimonials. So uh, yeah, that's the best place to go, discoverhealing.com discoverhealing.com. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again, sir. Appreciate your time and energy. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah. That was a fascinating episode. Super stoked for Dr. Nielsen and his work. I'm going to get myself a copy of the Emotion Code right away and listen to it and start to use his techniques. Show notes are up at markdevine.com or the video will be on the YouTube channel. If you want to reach out to me on social media, I'm on Twitter at Mark Devine and I'm Instagram and Facebook at RealMarkDevine. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. If you're not subscribed to my newsletter, Divine Inspiration, you might enjoy it. It comes out every Tuesday. I've got a blog. I've got show notes from the podcast, a book I'm reading, and other interesting things that come across my desk, including a weekly practice. So check it out. Go to markdivine.com to subscribe. Thanks so much to my incredible team of Catherine Divine and Jason Sanderson and Jeff Haskell, who produce this podcast and the newsletter and bring incredible guests like Dr. Nielsen to you every week. Ratings and reviews are very helpful. So if you haven't done so, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen. It helps other people find us and helps keep us relevant. And thanks, as always, for being part of the change you want to see in the world, changing your world so that your world can help others' worlds improve. We can do this at scale. So why not? Hoo-yah. Till next time, this is your host, Mark Devine, out here.